Hello, and welcome to the Wild Blue Podcast, perspectives on aviation lives, lifestyles, and business. Hi, and welcome to the Wild Blue Podcast. Uh, we got a special guest with us today, Todd, and it's not you, Todd. I'm sorry. <laughs> what, why is that? I'm not a guest, but I'm special. <laughs> no, we have Sir Isaac Newton here, otherwise known as Isaac Martin. Uh, Isaac is, a, uh, is our intern here at Wild Blue. And what's, um, what's pretty neat is he just got his private pilot's license. Absolutely. And so we, uh, we thought it would be fun to talk with Isaac a little bit about his, uh, his experience going through the, uh, the process of getting his license. So, uh, Isaac, give us a little bit of background on, on you. Introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about what's going on and how you decided you wanted to, to uh, you know, pursue your license. Well, uh, my name is Isaac Martin. Um, I've been flying since my 17th birthday, so I've been flying for almost two years now um i've been i've always been kind of fascinated with planes since like sixth grade i think is when i started wanting to fly um as a career and then i kind of just knew some people um and eventually started flying and took some time off so (laughs) license took a really long time to get um but yeah so what's interesting about that is you did not have uh, for example, a father or uncle that was a pilot or involved in the aviation industry or anything like that, you just sort of had developed an interest on your own. Uh, for the most part, yeah. I mean, I've had a few family members. My grandpa in the Marines was a helicopter tech um, in Vietnam. And then my great-grandpa worked for TWA back in the day. Oh, nice, yeah. Um, yeah what did he do for TWA? Um, he worked on 747s, hmm, actually. Okay. And helped with the flight manual for them. Oh, cool. Uh, so that's that. I like that because you know I was I came from that same kind of a, a mindset where I didn't know uh, anyone, but I loved airplanes. It sounds like uh, that was your sort of calling. You just you just found your, you find yourself watching airplanes fly over and looking up, kind of a thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I grew up right next to the airport. Oh, you did. Yeah. I I lived two minutes from. Uh, MCI. Okay. Um, so, I mean, as a little kid, I see airplanes fly over my house like every single day, night and day. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, that, that definitely helped the interest. And then just, I love flying. It's just always been fun to me. Did you know anyone in, in your high school that was flying or learning to fly? Did you happen to run across any anyone you... Um, actually, there's one girl who was a year older than me that uh, actually flew over ATD as well. Oh, really? Um, and then she decided not to go through with it. So ATD being? ATD Flight Systems being the school I, I fly at. Okay. That's that's here in Kansas City at, uh, at MKC at the downtown airport. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I now know another guy from my high school who was like three years older than me who's just get starting with his license, um, like retroactively out of high school. But um, that's the only other person I know that. Okay, so you graduated, you went to Northland Christian, mm-hmm. you graduated in 19? I graduated in 21. 21, that's right, in 21. Okay, so young yeah, math. Uh, <laughs> you graduated in 21, and so uh, here it is, 2022, so you've only been out of high school for... A year almost. Yeah, almost a year. Almost a decade. Okay. So Chris, do you remember when you were anywhere near that? Yeah. I don't remember anything anymore, Todd. i got to have somebody tell me what to, I remember. I just want to make sure that we understood that. <laughs> Uh, so then, 
you you go out to the airport and you take a discovery flight or what what was that what was your initial flight or had you flown in a little airplane prior to you being yeah, that's, one i was wondering have you so the first experience i had so my parents for my 70th birthday surprised me with my discovery flight uh -huh. i had no clue like i'd been asking since i was like 15 um <laughs> and never like happened whatever for whatever reason didn't happen um and then i opened the card and it was like Okay, it was like a fake certificate that my dad made, and it was like, you, this is good for one flight at the downtown. And I was like, no way, this is crazy. Um, so I went up and just, I mean, it was awesome. It was so cool. You liked it right from the start, yeah. didn't feel airsick or anything of no. that nature? It was awesome. The only thing that I felt was, was just a lot more, it was a little bit more bumpy than <laughs> yeah. an airliner. Yeah. Yep, um, just a little bit. But So start to start to finish then. How long did that? So you got that certificate, and then you just got your license. So, how many, how many months was that? Um, I think it was right about eighteen months. Right about eighteen. But months. I took four months off okay. last winter um, because of basketball season. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. And then I had to relearn a lot of stuff because I took four months and off. And so you're flying in in what? Your what, what airplanes are you training in? Are we training in Warriors? Um, you got triple nickel over there? Yeah, we do. Have yeah. triple nickel. I have not flown that plane, actually. <laughs> oh, really? That's, that's the legendary one around here. I've flown in 616. That was my introductory flight was in 616. Um, and, but I mainly flew uh, 9 for Charlie and uh, 428 were the two I flew most of Okay. So there. That's interesting. Uh, the... And and so you just progressed, fly up, flew weekly or whenever you could get out there. And oh, we should mention by the way, because obviously our listeners can't see Isaac. He had to take basketball season off. He's kind of a tall dude, so that's uh, that's why he's a basketball player, I presume. Yeah, tough to get in. The Can you dunk? <laughs> I have a few times, but not frequently. <laughs> not anymore. Uh, so, how often did you fly? Like weekly or? Just when you could get out to the airport, or what was that like? Um, at the beginning, I know we'd try to fly at minimum twice a week. Um, most yeah. of the time, it was probably three or four times a week. Mm -hmm. Right, at that's the really start. good pace. Yeah, um, and then it kind of when school started, I was really active in like my school, um, so it had it tapered off a little bit to like two times a week was like good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I ended up soloing on, it was the last day in October. I forgot whether, which one it ends on, 30th or 31st. Uh, Halloween. Oh. <laughs> October 31st. I think so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, did, your, did your parents know you were soloing or did, uh, uh, did that just sort of happen and you came home like, oh, by the way, I soloed today? Oh, no, my parents knew. Uh, <laughs> were they out there? Did they see you? Or? Uh, yeah, they, went, they were yeah, watching. Oh, that's Excellent. neat. But yeah. ironically, when I, my first solo, I went up and then they changed the pattern. Oh. And so I was going left, uh, left traffic to runway one. Um, and then they changed it to right traffic um, over the buildings. And they were all freaking out on the ground, like, where'd he go? Where'd he go? Like, <laughs> yeah. My mom he was, took off. My He's mom headed to another airport. And that's one thing for, for those of you who've never been here to Kansas City or been to the downtown airport. This is kind of a legendary airport. 
and it sits in a very unique position right by the Missouri River, just on the north, kind of northwest side of downtown. And they will put that pattern on 1-9 inside of the buildings downtown, which the buildings themselves aren't too terribly tall, but the fact is it's, it's, there's, a, there's a bluff there that they sit upon. So it makes them a lot yeah. taller than the physical <laughs> buildings. And so you're running that pattern inside there. And that's always amazed me here. I, and, you know, to this day, I've been flying in and out of here for 35 years. To this day, I am not comfortable doing that. I fly south. Yeah. I, I yeah, never, go, go, around I never go north of yeah. the buildings. Unless, on ta- unless it's on takeoff. Yeah, used to be inside. I'd yeah. fly the, the the mighty beach skipper mm-hmm. out of here, and you couldn't fly north because in the summertime it would not clear the Broadway Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> <That makes laughs> <sense. laughs> yep. The downtown is so close here. There's a lot of pictures in in magazines and advertisements and stuff with with you know for for aviation companies that. You know, maybe and maybe an avionics company or something like that, but they'll have the Kansas City downtown area in the background because in the ad they're trying to imply how close in general aviation can bring you to downtown. So many of our listeners who've never been here may have actually seen a, a picture mm-hmm. just because it's it's used. I see it occasionally anyway, and advertisements have over the years. Yeah, because it's five minutes. I mean, yeah. it's, it's yeah. just a. I've seen it too. You know, my my first solo talking about oddities. So I take off, this was in Moline, Illinois, and, and I come around the pattern, and it starts, it was an August day, it starts raining, I've never been out in rain, it starts raining on the windscreen, and, and literally the tower controller there at Moline asked me, uh, if the field goes IFR, what are your intentions? Oh. It wasn't that bad, oh. but I don't know what they were trying to prove anyway, I, uh, so I did one pattern, one takeoff. Uh, and one landing, and that was on my first solo. Wow. So I guess in a way memorable, in a way yeah. disappointing, but yeah. anyway. So uh, what 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 do you want to do? You mentioned a career. What are you wanting to do? So I'm I want, I'm not exactly sure where I want to go with it, whether that be corporate, private, fly for an airline or something like that. Um, that's still kind of up in there for me. Right now, no pun intended. <laughs> yeah, no, no pun intended. But um, I think that'll just kind of depend on what's gonna fit my life the best, and yeah, just what I feel led to. So I'm, I'm curious because I think we could dig into this a little bit for people that, are, especially if you're a parent and kind of trying to guide your your kid along, or maybe. Um, you know, maybe you are uh, of Isaac's age and you're trying to figure out what the uh, the path is for you to get there. I think we can dig into that a little Absolutely. bit. But I'm just curious. So you're you're going the FBO route, essentially. You're going the flight school, the local flight school, I should say, yeah. uh, route to get your to get your uh, licenses and ratings. You're getting ready to start on your commercial and instrument pretty soon. Yeah, this week. Yeah. So why why do that? Uh, you know, what, what made you decide to do that as opposed to go to, uh, you know, like an aviation school, like a university, or try to go the military route? What was your line of thinking there? Um, i say as far as school, uh, like college or something, I was just flying before that, before I was out of high school. I was a younger high school student when uh-huh. I graduated at 17. So that wasn't really like on the forefront of my mind when I wanted to start flying. Um, so, I mean, by the time I had, I graduated, I had like 50 hours. Right. Um, 
So, and a lot of colleges don't really like it that much if you have your private coming in because they want to teach you their way. Um, and it's also just way more expensive than what um, the local flight school is. Yeah, so can you give us an idea from the time that you started to when you got your private pilot's license what that's cost? Um, I think because it took so much longer than like it normally would, I think, or I guess there's not really like a normal, but longer than like the minimum hours for sure. Uh, I think it was about 20,000. 20, okay. And just for reference, so people have an idea, what, what's the breakdown on that? What's the, what's the hourly cost on the airplanes you're renting? And then, and then, you know, is there a fuel surcharge or, and then what's, what's the instructor charge? Um, I'm not sure what the instructor charges because I didn't really deal with any of that. But the plane, it's 160 an hour. It's either 150 or 160 an hour. I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, and those prices went up like at the beginning of this year. Okay. For so fuel. it used to be a little, yeah, for fuel. It okay. used to be a little less. Um, and then they don't charge you for fuel unless you fuel up somewhere else and it's over $6 a gallon. Okay. Um, so the fuel's included in that cost. Okay. Um, but I mean, I finished my private with like 90 hours. Yeah. So it's just a lot of time. We were just talking, was it you and I talking the other day that some schools are now going to a dry rate? Yes, we were talking about that. And I think that that's, I was talking to a flight school operator who was telling me that uh, that's just the, becoming the norm now because you just can't keep up with fuel costs. And it's, I think it's a great point. I think it's probably more fair to the uh, to the clients, the students. Uh, you know, it's, you either pay more or maybe pay less, uh, depending on the, so you, you rent the airplane dry, and what they do at that particular flight school is they dip the tanks, and, the, and so that's how they track it. I, I suppose there must be a little something on the honor system there, because when you, I was thinking about this, if you were, you know, if someone just was off by one gallon, and a gallon of Avgas is 6 or $7 a gallon, well, that's starting mm -hmm. to add up. If yeah, you're, adds up if you're consistently, doing, yeah. consistently, you know, off or whatever. So, and I, I highly doubt too many people are going to, yeah, that I'll add I'll add more fuel. Yeah. But I, uh, yeah. I, you know, I don't know, but the TLAR method that it, looks about yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> it almost has to have like a representative from the school come out and do it for everybody. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, so, what is the uh, plan for your instrument and commercial? You say you're just getting started, so let's talk about the next step. I think that listeners might be curious, you know, what what your thoughts are on how to proceed. Yeah, so I did my private part 61, yep. um, and I'm going to be doing my instrument uh, part 141 um, at a very accelerated pace. So I'll be down there four to five days a week, um, every week, flying or doing ground or in the sim, because you can for an instrument, which yeah. is really nice. Yeah, the sim will save you some money, too. Yeah, it's half the price. Right. Of an airplane per, per hour. Um, so four to five days per week mm -hmm. and flying how much on those days? It would it just be a normal, say, 1.5? Uh, or are you flying, talking about flying like in the morning, taking a little break and flying in the afternoon? I mean, how, uh, how it'll do you see it? It'll just be once a day. Okay. Um, but 
that should be enough. It would just be like a lesson per day. Okay. Um, and it's like a set. So it's a it's actually a curriculum. Yeah. Okay, that's. I forgot which one they use. Um, but yeah, it's a set curriculum yeah. every day. So like you have a lesson. So it's a very structured. That's kind of good. So that, that involves the ground school related mm-hmm. stuff too. Yeah. So. so it's a ground and flight combined. Okay. Um, I think that that that's that's great because I think that'll keep you focused. Uh, yeah. Exactly. In the right. Yeah. Because it's hard. There is no question about. It. And you know we often as pilots joke now it's not very hard for chris but it's hard for most of us uh, i mean we joke though that it's ah oh, it's easy anyone can do it but to be really honest you've got to be able to dedicate yourself and you've got to it's a it's a different language you're learning it's a different uh, uh thought process you know thinking ahead of an airplane and, and there's you can quickly feel overwhelmed obviously the best thing is by consistent a having a plan like like that a curriculum yeah. and b being consistent and following through is your best way to learn it's uh, always amazed me now todd and i of course are military guys but i learned how to fly um got my private license here locally yeah and and it's always amazed me when i talk to people that go the route that you're going that some some schools it's it's a little loosey-goosey on on there's really not much of a syllabus you you Guys don't know what you're. You don't know what you're going to do the next lesson necessarily. You're not giving anything to, to kind of look forward to 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 chair fly to study. You know, and uh, and so that's really good to hear that they're, they're doing it that way. How many hours in your logbook do you have to have under Part One Forty One? Do you know to like get your instrument rating? Is it still 125 hours total time, or is there some? Uh, uh, yeah, it's still 125 okay. total time. And then. Uh, Commercial, what one? It's de- it's dependent on whether you do sixty one or one forty one. Right, right. I knew that. I can't. think it's two fifty for sixty one. It is yes. two hundred for two hundred or one forty one. Maybe one ninety. One ninety is what I thought. I, yeah, uh, it is one ninety. Because so, uh, I know I'll be kind of close when I come out of instrument as to which one I'll go, as to which route, because oh, of time. Um, right. We're not sure yet. Right. Uh, and then, then we could get into, and I don't know enough to speak about it, but the new ATP rules. And there's, there's so much that's changed uh, in, in terms of aviation time, uh, you know, hours needed and yeah. the type of training you can do and what counts now because uh, simulators are available and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. There's a lot we could do a whole thing on you, that. You learned in a link simulator, didn't you, Todd? Well, they didn't you know. have that yet. But. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I remember that time when Orville cut me off in the pattern. <laughs> uh, haven't forgotten that. <laughs> so we were talking, let's, let's come back around and we were talking about, you know, the various ways that you can get there, military being one. Yeah. Um, but then you've got the schools. So schools like, uh, you know, the big ones, you've got UND, you've got Embry-Riddle, and then you've got a lot of uh, other schools that uh, are, Probably not quite as large, but still have very successful programs like Lewis University, who's sure. uh, one of our clients actually. And um, uh, I don't know, does uh, uh, what do we what do we call in CMSU now? U- UCM. UCM. University of Central so Missouri. They They're still have one. They they had yeah. talked about I think at one point not doing their program. No, they do. In fact, okay. who did I just talk to recently? Yeah, it's actually going I think pretty good. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. So you've got you've got those schools, yeah. and um, you know. I, I'll just give you my two cents, and then I'm curious what what you guys think. 
you know, if you're not inclined to go to the military or you're not qualified, uh, then you've got really just those those two routes. Basically, you're you're kind of going the local flight school. Sometimes it's the FBO that's not a Part 141 school, and then you've got you've got these other big schools. And um, you know, I my personal opinion is I, I like the way you're doing it, uh, Isaac. I think um, I think you're going to find yourself with less debt, uh, if maybe maybe out of debt or no debt than go into some of these big schools where, you know, as Todd and I flying for the majors, we, we routinely will fly with first officers who have six figures plus in debt that they're still paying off. You know, a lot of that is done while they're, they're, they're trying to pay it off while they're flying for regionals whose pay up until recently hadn't been that good. And, uh, you know, it, it always made me question the, the, uh, the rationality behind that approach. Well, I think you left out sort of a, a third path. Uh, you're right, going to a, there's the collegiate route, but you know there's all these big 141 schools that are national, like like ATP. Well, that's what I was talking okay. about, kind of like what well, he's doing, right? And which and and I would say, Alex is it's a little bit of a hybrid because you uh, ATD is a local company here in the Kansas City area, but they are uh, uh, also a uh, 141 school, obviously, mm -hmm. and I'm yeah. sure they're happy. Maybe they take some people in from elsewhere. I, I don't know enough about their business, but uh, have you ever met anybody that didn't live in Kansas City while you were over there or in the general vicinity? I mean, they, they don't house students or anything of that nature that you're aware of. They don't do stuff like that, but they there's a kid, I think, from Nebraska that's coming down to oh, fly really? here. Um, because parents know um, Bill, who's the owner of the okay. school, yeah. um, for people who don't know. But uh, that's, I think, the farthest away that anybody comes. Most of the people are just local whose parents fly or something yeah. like that, and they just want to get into it. Well, the, the flight school owner that I spoke with this uh, past week, uh, I'll, I'll put a plug in for it's It's a place in Plymouth, Indiana called Alpha Flight, and he is a, uh, the oh, here's a, two partners, the one partner is a, uh, a 787 first officer at American Airlines, uh, and they, I was really impressed with, with that school and their, their sort of direction, and they were bringing people in or trying to grow that, to bring people to the small town of Plymouth, Indiana, which is a little south of South Bend, Indiana, sure. and west of uh, Fort Wayne. And so there's an option. There's some places like that. I remember at Oshkosh this last summer uh, talking to some people that had a flight school in southern Minnesota. Again, not the big ATP, almost really what ATD is like here. So that is, mm -hmm. a, that's a, I like that route too. I think that, uh, I, I think that's a pretty good cost effective. I think my impression from talking to first officers and so on at the airlines Obviously, the collegiate route is expensive, to, and ATP, while very efficient, is expensive. I, I no way is that is this an endorsement or any for any of these businesses or a negative comment. I think they all have their uh, their pluses, and depending on a person's personal circumstances, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you could go to one of these places I was describing where you go, but then you're paying for housing and you're adding a lot of costs in your life. Maybe you live locally, like like you do, and this ultimately. Is, is the most cost-effective way or certainly the most efficient way. So 
uh, I think they all offer some. I, th- I think, some frankly, I think in some cases you get you get better training. And the reason I say that is in some schools, and I'm, I'm just going from what I, a lot of the folks that I talk to, um, they are, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of uh, certificate mills. Yes. Their goal is to get you the certificate, not necessarily to train you um, with all of the different aspects of, you know, airmanship and situational awareness and things like that that you can oftentimes miss out on. And so anytime that you're going through one of these programs and it doesn't matter, you know, you and I were both taught in the military, you've got to take charge of your training. Um, you got to do the same thing. And if you feel like something is not being presented, you need to ask for it to be, you know, you got to ask for it to be done. Hey, I've got a question about this. Why are we not doing this? What, you know, I haven't, I haven't done this, but I've heard this is being done. You know, let's go out and do it. Cause you know, you'll get, you'll get schools that, that won't train spins, you know, you'll get, um, you get schools that just touch on just the minimum amount that they need to. And so, um, you know, and, and they, and most of them, I think are very pretty good about, um, catering to the individual and trying to mold it to what you want. But you as the individual, you've got to take charge of that training and you've got to ask a lot of questions. Well, I think that's a great, that's a great point. Yes. Mm-hmm. And a great point for you as a, as a new guy going into this, if you don't understand uh, obviously, you have some resources and people like us now that you that you know, and you've gotten to know more people in aviation. But but don't be afraid. To let's ask. let's just face it. Knowing Todd yeah. is a feather in anyone's cap. I'm just saying. It, it really is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm saying. Honored. Well, the uh, I I heard I had a guy tell me recently that he felt the part going part 61 local that you get better stick and rudder school. This is very much a generalization, but you get better stick and rudder schools where the the skills, I mean, where the uh, schools that are more what you refer to as a mill, just getting grind people out, it's more get, get you through the training and and not going to spend as much time on, on stick and rudder. It's more procedural. Conversely, I think that can work. You know, if you learn at a Part 61 school in an uncontrolled airport, and hard, it, it's a big deal to go visit the, the tower airport that's literally just that. It's a little part class delta and nothing else, which is like just barely a step above being uh, yeah. an uncontroller. You never talk to an approach controller or center controller or anything like that. Then, you know, I, I think that's also a mm-hmm. hard thing to over people that don't understand that don't, don't know. So there's advantages to where you learn, no matter what the circumstances and there's disadvantages, you know? Yeah. And I'm lucky to fly at an airport that also has a major international airport right next to it that I've landed at as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, you've got a lot here. You got class, you really got class cool. Bravo airspace. You mm-hmm. got all the airspace. Some of it underlies other parts of it. And Why not to have to avoid? But yeah, well, this can, this is a challenge. Really airport. cool. Yeah, you get trouble taking off out of here. Yeah, mm-hmm. corporate, <laughs> corporate, and, and uh, occasionally airliners coming in here because any of the sports teams that come in, they bring yeah. in seven thirty sevens and so on, seven fifty sevens. And so, yeah, you never know what military, I've seen military airplanes in here. This is a great airport. A lot of military airplanes. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention it makes you, uh, this airport, what's the one thing that you think about a lot coming into it, taking off out of this airport? I'm gonna well, where are, you gonna, where are you going to, uh, if you lose an engine, yeah. what are you going to do? <laughs> There's so few choices here. Yeah. That's that's the yeah. one thing I don't like about this airport, you know, I just... I've, I've gotten to the point where, side note here, I've gotten to the point where at airports I've started pulling up uh, 
satellite views of them and looking around and seeing what looks like a, a reasonable place to put the airplane. That's a good down. idea. After Absolutely. the insurance company really buys it, you know, right then when that engine quits, they own it. Where am I going to, where am I going right. to give this thing back to them and walk out? And cause I started doing that here. Cause I'm like, man, there's just nothing. Here. There's nothing, especially taking off on like one nine or two one. Yeah, yeah. I There's tell my family, I said, we're probably going to get wet. You're, we're, the, the river might be the best option. It might be. It might be. Let's hope it's not January. Yes, that I, <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> right. Oh. That's exactly right. Well, cool. What, anything else you want to bring up or talk about, Isaac? Uh, not your your experience. I mean, I've just had a good time flying so far. Yeah, this um, is great. You know what's cool about Isaac is he's he's been excited about the whole thing. You can you can see that there's a lot of drive and determination in him. He wants to learn, um, and and uh, and I think one of the primary reasons you're here as an intern is that you you don't have um, what's it, what's you know you don't have that that arrogant swagger to you that uh, sometimes permeates people in the flying field yeah, you know what point. i'm saying yeah you know um some of these guys that anyway we'll just leave it at that uh <laughs> so I'm, I'm thankful for that you're you know you got that that learning mindset because because yeah. you um you probably heard todd's heard me say this before you know uh a guy taught, taught me this years ago there are no experts in aviation there's only those who refuse to quit learning and as soon as somebody tells me that they're an expert man i I stop listening almost instantly because unless they've got something else to tell me, um, you know, I, I want to learn. Yeah. I want to learn. I don't want to be thought of as, you know, this guy with all this time and he's the expert or anything like that. And I want to, you know, I, I learn something almost every time I go fly and with, with almost everybody I go fly with. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I know nothing. I feel like compared to most, everyone I've flown with ever. Um, yeah. We'll never forget though. When you're out there by yourself, or you got stu you are the pilot in command, and you got it. Yeah, there is a mentality that uh, in the airplane that you know the decision rests with you. It's and and that's always something to start to ingrain in yourself mm -hmm. from early on in, in aviation. You can't overstate that. Because the higher up the chain you go, the more people are going to be trying to persuade you. Some of them trying to lean on you or intimidate you into making a decision, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, you got a high-profile client sitting in the back of the airplane, you know, and they got to get from point A to point B, and they get mad. It's your decision. It's not That's theirs. That's true. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? Now, that is one thing that I've struggled with actually a lot right at the beginning when I started flying is just being confident, and making those decisions quickly. I'll get to a decision eventually, but it's making those. Yeah. Um, sometimes harder decisions, um, like if you're practicing like emergency dis uh, descent or emergency landing, like, okay, I'm going to land here right now. This is exactly where I'm going. And then that's fine. Like, yeah. And it would take me, like a long time ago, it would take me two, such three minutes to figure that out. A, that's such a great and perceptive uh, comment that you just made, Isaac, because, uh, you know, you're right. You're watching... Uh, students try to pick you, you know, they, they know sort of the, okay, what do I got to do? A pick a field is one of the course of things you're, <laughs> and, and they're like, well, there's one. And meanwhile, the airplanes descend right. and they just yeah. can't make right. up their mind. And well, I mean, by the time point, I pick a field, I, 
It'd be 500 feet above the ground. Yeah. You don't have any time yeah, to right. no start your checklist or anything. Exactly. I used exactly. to have fun with that. And, and when I was an instructor at pilot tra- Air Force pilot training, you know, we, we would do after every mission, you'd do a you do an EP scenario, emergency procedure scenario, sit down at the desk and, you know, and, and man, as soon as somebody was being indecisive, I'd have, you know, kind of somewhat evil, but I'd have more fun with them because then I'd start throwing out things and options to them. Well, what about this? What about this? You know, and the next thing I know, I'm like, well, you're going to crash now. You know, it's, you, you, you have got to, you know, it may not be the best decision, but if you start changing your mind, yes. that's where things are really decisive. Yep. I think. Well, well, very neat. You know, and I hate to say it, we've we've run just a little too long. We were going to have our gripe about Chris sessions. <laughs> yeah, but we'll we've do that. run out of time. We'll Shoot, that's like a whole season of episodes, <laughs> isn't it? No, this is good. So, uh, and and let me just give a shout out to Isaac's dad. Go fly with him. He's good. He's safe. He wouldn't have his license otherwise. Go fly with him. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, folks. We we really appreciate you listening and. Uh, I uh, hope that uh, you continue to do so. You can always check us out at flywildblue.com. Our number here is 888-773-4249. Thanks for listening to the Wild Blue Podcast. Find us online at flywildblue.com. And don't forget to subscribe and share.